0: Welcome to Unleashed at Work and Home, the show dedicated to helping veterinarians, vet techs, dog trainers, shelter and rescue workers, pet sitters, and all the other animal-crazy pet professionals manage their stress and find more joy. I'm your host, Colleen Pilar, and I'm thrilled you're here with us today. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite app so that you won't miss a single episode. This episode is brought to you by our free community, the circle of resilient and thriving pet professionals. If you like the ideas shared here, then you're invited to continue the conversation with other lifelong learners in the community. You can find out more at colleenpilar.com community. It's the perfect place for you to learn cool stuff, feel good, and take action to create the life you love. Come join us. My guest today is Anne Waterbury. Anne is the owner of a Sound Dog Connection in Washington State, and she's also the education coordinator for the NACSW, which I don't remember exactly how those letters break out. I'm going to make Anne tell us, but it's nose work. So Anne, what is the NACSW? (laughs) So National
1: Association of Canine Scent Work. So
0: that's what it is. See, I always want the end to be nose work, even though I know it's national. And then I get myself stuck. National Association of Canine Scent Work. And there I am calling it nose work. So tell me first, before we dive into our actual subject, scent work versus nose work, is there a difference?
1: Uh, no. the NACSW began having this as an activity and called it canine nose work and that those terms are protected. So um, a lot of people who do lots of different things might call it scent work or other things. I mean, it's all fabulous playing with dogs, and it's wonderful. But I think it's because canine nose work is a protected term, so you hear like scent work and other things. That makes it's sense. all it's all wonderful stuff. <laughs> that makes sense.
0: I um I adopted a dog at the beginning of July. She's snoring behind me over there, uh, and we just started a finzy a. Uh, fenzy class on scent work and we're way behind on our homework and we're not very good at it. And I'm pretty sure most of the mistakes are mine, Um, but it's so interesting to watch. And I, it is definitely something I'm eager to learn more about. I've not done anything in
1: that genre of training. It is so much fun because dogs, I mean, it's, uh, I always say it allows dogs just to be dogs Mm -hmm. doing exactly what dogs are good at. It's like, for all of us in this world, like going to a party or going somewhere and talking about dogs. We're like, oh my God, what a relief. We're just going to talk about dogs. You don't have to worry about any kind of conversation. (laughs) We can just stay in our comfort zone. And that's what I feel like uh, nose work or scent work is for dogs. They're like, wait, you just want me to go in this room and smell stuff and then eat some stuff off the floor? Got it. Can do that. Live for that. (laughs) The, the party
0: example is a good one where you were saying about staying in our comfort zone. It's a, nice, it's a nice lead into our word of the day. And our word of the day is transformation, which requires us to step a little bit outside our comfort zone. So, you're the one who suggested the word. We were, we were pinging some thoughts back and forth when I invited you to come on the podcast. And transformation was a word that you tossed out and I leapt at because it's such an interesting concept. It's a big, squishy concept for us to try to decide what does it mean to transform? So what what do you think about when you think about transformation?
1: Oh, um, it's just it's such an important... important concept. And I think about the transformations in my life. um, And I can, I can list them, I can make outlines (laughs) and what they've, what they've meant for me. Um, But how hard it was to go into it. It wasn't like, oh, I just want to transform. It was, you know, there's times I went in kind of kicking and screaming and not sure. um, And then I want a lot of control and I want to plan everything, but you can't necessarily plan your whole transformation. (laughs) process you yes kind of decide for me decide this is not what I want I'm not where I want to be I'm I'm not happy I'm not thriving I'm not I'm not whatever I'm just not where I need to be intuitively or any place and then saying I want something different but not knowing exactly what that different is like I want to be a dog trainer owning a business in the Pacific Northwest like I didn't know all that I just know this is not it And I want to get somewhere else. I just don't know where that's somewhere else. So transformation to me kind of implies you're going to go on this trip. You're getting on this raft or your downhill skis or whatever the best metaphor is for that. And you don't know where it's really going to take you. You just, you kind of know where you don't want to be or physically or emotionally or professionally.
0: Yeah. For me, the transformations in my life, that has been the biggest struggle of that. I couldn't see the other shore. I couldn't see, you know, I don't want this and I do want that. It was more like, I don't want this. And so I had to make the small changes to start crafting toward what the the next thing would be. What I wanted to know, I wanted the clear destination, I wanted a path, and I wanted it to be straight. And was like, "Here, let's do that." It didn't turn out that way. That's how we learn,
1: right? That's oh my gosh! Route. Yes, yeah. And you can't really um, thinking about it. I made a couple notes. I mean, it, you can't really do the transformations until you're ready, and what readiness looks like is so. Individual for me, it was just like I'm not where I want to be. That's my ready, just I don't know what it is. It's just this isn't it. Um, So that was one of my big things. And then to just go deep, like have that inner conversation, which took me years to figure out what that meant. I used to think, God, that's so woo woo when people say that. And then I kind of learned more about it. I'm like, oh no, that is so insightful. Excuse me forever making fun thinking that's ridiculous um, to go inside and have that conversation and listen to that voice or intuition or whatever we want to call it um, and ask myself my pivotal question is will I have regrets if I don't do this or try this and if the answer is yes then there we go I mean I'm jumping jumping on those skis and going downhill there's I've got I've got to do it I don't mm-hmm. want to have those regrets um, and then to kind of make that decision, decide if I will have regrets, then just go forward, kick my feet up and go forward and see what happens and take the information as I go. Um, thinking, well, what if there's failure, mistakes? And it took me a while to change my attitude. Like there is no, as Susan Friedman would say, there's you know no mistakes, there's just information. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, well, what if there's failure? And then I try to operationalize failure. Like what is failure? Like I would try a certain thing or a class or a promotion and it didn't work. It didn't get enough people to sign up or is that really failure or just information that my timing was off or my idea was off or my audience was off or so really changing my relationship with, with the idea of mistakes or failure. And what, I think that's what really, mean.
0: yeah, it's so hard to do it first. And I think, in some ways, the earlier piece where you were talking about, you know, leaning into your inner voice and listening to yourself, that piece almost needs to be done first before you can just look at mistakes and failures as information. Um, it, it seems to me. I don't. I don't actually know. Now that I'm saying it, I'm. I, arguing in my head. The inner voice is very chatty in this moment. But it seems like the the part about failure so often comes from our ideas of what other people want or expect or believe. And so we try things and they fail, but we haven't defined for ourselves all the time. What do I want? What is right for me? Would I have regrets if I don't do this? Some of those pieces that are the internal dialogue and the respecting yourself enough to count your opinion and really look for your opinion because so often we are very busy going with everyone else's opinion and not really
1: listening to our own. Right yeah separating those in our head a little bit like wait is this me saying this or is this other people saying and that that took honestly for me that took a lot of time with a therapist too because I very much grew up in a you know, an, uh, idea that worry about what other people think of you, you know, make a good impression, make sure everybody likes you. Um, just other people will judge you just, you know, you want to make sure you, everything you do will be judged and then you will be rated on your, how you're judged. And so it very yeah, much, I, <laughs> my inner critic was all that, that message constantly of what will people think? What will they say? And, uh, yeah, you know, spending a lot of time getting not getting rid of those messages because I don't think you can ever really get rid of them. I mean, we live in a society with other people, but just putting those messages where they're supposed to be, not valuing them. that's what would I say? what do I do I deserve happiness? Will I have regrets? and and you know, just making sure I understand the difference of those, just was mm-hmm. not easy.
0: No, it is not. So what gave you the courage to look inside and ask yourself, you know, does my happiness matter? And, and will I have regrets?
1: Oh, um, I wish I could say I just came to it. I think it was, I had two experiences with cancer and the second one was much more serious and um, I did have surgery. And I of course convinced myself in my, like lovely self-talk that that was, I was going to die. So just, I, yeah, I literally tried to get a whole bunch of stuff done. Cause I'm like, I got to check this off my list. Cause it seems ridiculous now, but that was such, that was the message like every night in, in my head. So I think after getting past that and healing from surgery and going, you know, just getting past that, I, decided to figure out, even asking the doctors, you know, what I can do. And they're like, nothing. It was just probably a very freak occurrence. You don't fit the profile for this and that. It was, yeah, you're younger. It was very aggressive. And they just said, you know, we'll just see you every other month. And I just wanted more control. So starting to really expand out, talk to my acupuncturist and who said, let's maybe go to a meditation class and going, Um, with another friend to do some yoga and like reading about, you know, more about meditation, putting a crystal in your pocket, just being open to all sorts of different things that I never would have before um, really was part of that. Looking for um, a way. I felt like, okay, the doctors are going to address my physical health, but something's got to change with my emotional health, how I care for myself, how I talk to myself, where I'm living, um, left a very horrible, um, bad relationship and, you know, made some changes for me to be more emotionally healthy. Um, So took my dog and loaded up the car and, you know, began my first big transformation at that point, because I think that without the experience of cancer, I don't know that I would have been able to make some of those changes in that, in that timeframe that really just taught me so much.
0: Yeah. I didn't know any of that. That is, that is a lot to have dealt with, especially to have had two, two experiences with cancer and to have really had those moments. But the gift from it is a whole different life you're leading now than the one you were leading then and a different way of being in relationship with yourself. And that's pretty powerful.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's probably looking back, one of the best things that ever, ever happened to me. Even in the moment, it was you know not. I wouldn't say it then, but now looking back, it was absolutely um, the big catalyst for change and being open to learning and thinking. Wow, there's just so many things I don't know, and I wanna, I wanna try and explore and talk to different people who feel different things, and um, you know, really move forward.
0: So tell me, what's one difference that you can feel now on this side of the transformation um, that that
1: wasn't true before? Oh, gosh, Um, so many. (laughs) Probably um, just doing things like this, um, sharing and connecting was always hard for me. is hard for me, but I used to just not do it, really share any level of depth of myself or anything very personal whatsoever. Um, I remember the kind of wake up call for that one was after a year after cancer, after the surgery, they're like, you know, a year is a good mark, but we want, I forget, it was like five years and seven years and 10 years. Um, I thought after a year, I'm like, oh, this is so great. Maybe I should celebrate. And then I thought, well, how do I have a party? Because I never told anybody that I had this. I just, Oh, was, wow. Oh, did, oh, I had some surgery know. or like, I just blew it off. I just, I don't know. Maybe I felt like I didn't matter enough to make a big fuss or whatever. But then I thought I can't really call anyone to celebrate because then I'd have to explain what we're celebrating. And then I have to be like, well, I didn't I tell anybody. I just realized there's a level of myself. I'm super guarded and I don't share. And I don't think that's healthy. I mean, oversharing is healthy, but, you know, finding that lovely balance and connecting because I, I was missing a tremendous amount of connection by not sharing. And then when things got really rough and I needed people, it's hard to say, hey, I need you because they're like, well, I didn't even know you were sick or having a bad situation or or anything because you just, you know, you miss a lot of, a lot of connection and a lot of opportunities um, when you don't. When you hold it all in, and when you feel like you don't matter, you should hold it in.
0: Yeah, and I think that ties back to what you said before about um, always wanting to to have you know have people like you and and make sure that everything was done just right. It's sort of like we we need to have this persona we present to the world, and it's not needy. It's not real. It's not True, it's the one people will like, um, and so we we can get ourselves into a spot where we're a little bit stuck. Sometimes, not everybody. I mean, definitely, you're right about there are people who handle it by oversharing, um, which can which is equally unhealthy in a different direction. But there is a, a magic sweet spot um, of finding the right people in your world to share your honest and full self with, and that's not everybody. But, but there are some people to share your honest and full self with, and it requires bravery to do that, and it's not all that easy at times. And so it's amazing to me that you made it through these really tough experiences truly alone, like you really, at the one-year anniversary when you went, well, let's celebrate, that you hadn't shared that at all that's, that's so painful, but also a testament to your strength. Like you really were able to power through until you weren't. And then that's the spot at which you learned more and, and began to transform. And now you're finding a different way of, of being very strong.
1: Right. It set the path for the, the rest of the transformations because it was like, Oh, I can do that. And so I, um, started a I was franchising off another person training dogs and um found a four thousand square foot warehouse and thought I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna sign a lease on a four thousand square foot warehouse and create a dog training center and 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 that person didn't have interest in in keeping that relationship. And so I thought well I'm going to do this. I mean, again, why look at it. what else I've done and it's all worked out. So this, this is my logic. Look what I've survived so far and it all, you know, came out, it worked out. I was reinforced for some of those behaviors of trying things, what that looked like. And um, so I did that. I opened that up and signed a lease on that and went out on my own. I know that the big motivator there or factor that really helped the transformation is that someone did say you will never make it and you have no idea what it takes and you will not make it and i thought oh my god yes now that actually i will i now i have to there's no choice i didn't realize how phenomenally motivating that was and i didn't you know just kind of turned and walked away and thought okay that's now i have to and and i And I did. That was a phenomenal experience of having an internship program and bringing people on board and mentoring them. And the center was was a success. Um, And six years later, I sold it to go on my next transformation. But the center was, you know, amazing. And I found um, a ton of my passion just connecting with my clients and creating this happy, safe space for dogs and their people, and having different events and you know having. Little get-togethers and just and the internship program, bringing people on and mentoring, and then having them become trainers at my center was, I kind of found what really what really spoke to me. Yeah, I, like, oh, I didn't see that coming.
0: <laughs> no, and you and you built it from a, a fairly negative experience. To begin with, the, the you you'll you'll never make that work. You know this kind of negative framing, um, and I'm going to prove you wrong. But over over the course of those six years, it it seems like you had to keep leaning into your own self and your own heart about what do I want this to be as it grew and changed and created the internship program and offered the different kinds of events and things for people, um, so that without, without that piece of inner knowing, you probably wouldn't have succeeded um, because it wouldn't, you wouldn't have had the same trust in your, uh, in your ideas and your ability to move forward. Does that make sense? Or do you, do you think differently?
1: No, no, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. I had to change that relationship with myself and have that more of that trust. Like, okay, let's, because once, once I decided to, you know, move forward or sign a lease or whatever it looks like, that's when I really had to not go back and forth. You can't be like, okay, I did this. No, I don't want to do this. I unsigned it, but I signed um, to jump in and then really to say, you've just committed to, you know, trust the process. I know little doubts will come up, but just once I decide, it might take me a little while to get there, a lot of self-talk, but then once I decide just, you know, hanging on and going for the ride to really, to really see where this takes me. Yeah.
0: I think trust the process is such an important step and also really difficult. In the Unleashed Resilience community, we have a, a success path with four basic steps. And the first is make the decision, which you just referenced, and then it's build your foundation. So you were just talking before about how you went to the meditation class, you went to the yoga class, you were doing the things to figure out like what works for me, what doesn't. And then the third one is is really trust the process because we get to the spot where things are starting to shift but not fast like i want to go fast but it's changing it's happening things are occurring it needs time to grow and nurture and and evolve and that stage i think is a spot where some of us backslide where we're like, oh, it's not working. And then we we head back to what felt safe, even though it didn't make us happy. So I think trust the process is super important. And since I mentioned the other three, let me just say the the fourth one is um, making it your own. Like, really, like, once you've got your skills, you're able to kind of morph and change in different ways. And that's what I really see you doing now, the make-it-your-own-stage where you – so we're here talking about this facility that you built in Florida, 4,000-square-feet thriving facility. And I introduced you as a trainer in the Pacific Northwest. Hmm. Yeah, there's (laughs) a little more –
1: transformation. No more transformation. And I, you know, I loved, I loved that center and oh my God, the people there, you know, clients were amazing, the dogs. Um, but I didn't like Florida itself. It's just, I don't like hot weather at all. Flatlands and hot weather, just not my thing. i just, I like the mountains and winter and the mountains and winter and rain. And so <laughs> obviously there's a logical sequence there. Um, and it was, that was a harder, I mean, it was harder to leave. It wasn't like, I don't want this. I'm not happy. It wasn't like my previous transformations where things are emotionally, physically unhealthy. I'm unwell, whatever this was like, things are really great. And I have this successful thriving business, but I want to live in the mountains. And so just, uh, there was two friends, um, Kathy Cedeo, Laurie Stevens were in Florida presenting, um, I'm sure many people know them. Um, and I kept talking about wanting to live in their area because they're from, live in this area, Seattle, Tacoma, this general area. And I said, oh, that's just, that's one of those areas I want to get to. And they're like, why don't you? And I was like, well, I, I have a business. And and I was like, why don't I? I'm like, again, some of these most simple questions, people that I respect ask me, I'm like, oh, I don't I, I don't really have an answer. And so thinking, well, talk to my therapist about this. And she's like, you did it once. Why couldn't you do it again? Like, just give me a list of reasons. Maybe you can. I was like, okay, I don't, don't have any. reasons there." So, um, so I just thought, okay, I will. I approached um, an organization. I sold my business. I came up with a price evaluation and they paid the price for the business. And I said, okay, well, I want to live in the in the woods, uh, in the Pacific Northwest and and came out here and it is beautiful and amazing. And so it is, you know, there's been bumpy starting over. I mean, not nobody knew me here. And I had to add a lot of good relationships in Florida. I had like, I don't know, 17 veterinarians that referred to me that I had great relationships. And then I came out here and I was like, oh, I have to just like go walk in and meet a fact and, and build those connections. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I said earlier, that's a very hard part for me, like sharing myself and building connections and in that authentic way, I didn't, I don't know, I wanted want it to be a true connection and that authenticity and, and then vulnerability and all that wonderful stuff that I'm working on or always working on. Um, but it's, it's worked out really well. Things are going better than I anticipated at this time with Sound Dot Connection. Um, My work with NACSW, obviously that's all online and that's amazing, but I can do that anywhere, which is super, because the people are amazing again. And I like working with all our instructors, Um, but client wise and, and veterinarian wise, it's really kind of, I'll um, come together here better than I expected I've always wanted to study um, acupuncture and learn more about traditional Chinese veterinary medicine and how that relates to behavior because that's traditional Chinese medicine something I use for myself and so yeah being here has allowed me to study acupressure in the class is just you know um, the physical class was just a short distance away on an island in the in the Puget Sound. And so it just all kind of came together. Like the next dream is to do more studying of acupressure and add that kind of component to my behavior business and work with veterinarians who do acupressure and acupuncture um, and team up with them. And that is all coming together really, really nicely.
0: That sounds amazing. And it sounds like, I'm just guessing, pieces that were not a part of your life before the cancer and the transformation that came from it, like uh, traditional Chinese medicine and acupressure and acupuncture seem like things that perhaps you were discovering while you were discovering some of the meditation and the uh, yoga and some of the more holistic pathways that you were going to after is that true or have you always had an interest in traditional chinese medicine and
1: um a little bit right before um well after my first experience with cancer and um after that and before the second one i was getting a little more into it but um yeah after that i really did to address my whole health like food as medicine and the acupuncture and just and complementary i mean i absolutely still have to do the it did the oncologist and followed up with my western medicine that's not it's not an either or approach certainly a beautiful complementary approach so um yeah that was always kind of an interest in the back of my mind that I wanted to pursue I'm like will I have regrets if I do do that ask myself the questions and and yes yes I would so and it has helped enhance some relationships certainly out here with veterinarians that that do that that if been important for my business moving forward
0: yes and so when you were talking about meeting the veterinarians and how uncomfortable that is the whole like walking in and being like hi i'm Anne," um and the importance of of sharing in an honest way a real way how do you find that balance that that line of like showing up as yourself without uh well to borrow Brene Brown's phrase, uh, don't puff up and don't shrink back. You know, like how do you do it without being like, hi, I'm in and I have all sorts of qualifications and here's the things you need to know or the, hi, I'm Anne and I would really love to, you know, develop a relationship with you, but to actually just be Anne. I'm Anne. I have these skills, I have these interests, I have these talents, and I'd really like to get to know what your skills and interests and talents are.
1: Uh, yeah, that is that is the harder that is the harder part. Um, just trying to and tr- starting on a smaller scale, not hitting absolutely everybody uh, in the area. Just um, finding a couple and having those conversations, and then really listening and not trying not to analyze or step out of my body and be like, Oh my God, you sound so stupid. That's dumb to say. Don't do that. Don't wear your card. You know, and not after I leave, like, Oh, you were, you said that 12 times. Why do you repeat yourself? Just to go and be as open and honest and then even be like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm a little nervous. And tell them like, Hey, I'm a little nervous about meeting you. And I know that these relationships are so important and there was there's a veterinarian in Florida that's very well known with acupressure or with acupuncture and traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. And, and he certainly helped lead the way and has a lot of, um, knowledge. So knowing him and him being, um, a, a friend and my doctor and a kind of mentor to this was, was very helpful. So again, those connections by opening myself up to him over the years and taking care of my dogs and, um, led the way. So again, that, that, kind of that point for me that made some connections and how important that is. It's a nice relationship. It can help you professionally. It's good personally, but just to open up and, and let people in and share, and then also listen to, to see if, if they you know can do the same. You can, what are their worries about their business or why do they want to refer to you or what are they thinking about? Or mm-hmm. which is hard. Cause I'm nervous about talking and then you're like, Oh God, I forgot to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
0: it's so funny how we are. I mean, human behavior is fascinating and very funny when we're able to observe it from a distance and not at all funny in the moment when we go, oh, I forgot to listen (laughs) because I was stressed. So for, for someone listening who would like to make some changes but is afraid and who is dealing with some of the same challenges that that you described of, you know, the people pleasing and the wanting to protect their inner, their insides and being afraid to reach out or share,
1: what kinds of tips would you give them? Just that, I don't know, the positive effects of like literally emotionally and physically for me of opening up and trying new things and living, trying to live that life without regrets um, I know has made me emotionally and physically more healthy. I am certain I would never get cancer again because of the changes that I've made. Um, so I would just encourage them to be able to go inside and, and have those conversations, get some help talking to you, talking to professionals who know how to really help guide our self-talk into that right direction so that you can figure out and you may not know what you want and then I don't I would say just don't worry about that I don't exactly know what I want to do or what this business would look like or what this new model would look like but just know that you want to make some changes and 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 jump in Mm -hmm. and you know kind of jump in wholeheartedly like think of that image of you know jumping off that cliff and just do it. Just jump off that cliff because you're going to land. You're going to land in some deep water. It's all good. It's going to hold you and you're going to move. You'll be supported. And you know, you never know what you find. Sometimes thinking like, I want this. It looks like this doesn't always help me because then it's got to be that. I just want to be like, oh, look at that. What is that? Like maybe a bet that looks good. Oh, I haven't tried that. <laughs> you know, you might miss some things along the way. So, so take that, take that leap and take that information as you go.
0: I think that's wonderful advice, and and very much in line with your your thoughts about checking in with yourself and asking if you'll have any regrets. You know that one. The the main regret. Um, there's a book called "The Five Regrets of the Dying," and the main regret uh, for people is that they wish they had lived life on their own terms. You know, like they had mm-hmm. done a little bit more of what they wanted and a little bit less of what they believed other people wanted for them, and. I think that's really valuable to do in our, in our lifetimes, not at the end of our life <laughs> to, to say like, do I want that? Would I regret it if I don't? And, and often the answer will be, well, no, I won't regret it. Okay, that, that gives us a, a reading on how strong a desire is. But a lot of things come up that, yes, we'll regret, but we keep pushing them off. Like, oh, I'll regret if I don't get to that, but I can't do it right now. Um, And so that question is a really wonderful centering question
1: that, that you use. And not to wait, I mean, so many people myself, and I've talked to so many other people that waited and didn't really jump into that and waited for a a cancer or another huge health crisis of, of their own, or maybe somebody very close to them. So, you know, and then I feel like that's kind of what it took for me to to get moving, but hopefully it won't for others. Don't 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 wait for don't have to wait for that motivating. Go ahead and and jump in now, and just think about what you know. If it doesn't work, what does that really mean? That just doesn't work in that moment, but maybe that this worked. Oh, you met this person, and you should team up with her, or you know, there's just so many other things. And sometimes to be open, you know, to listen to that along the. Along the way, I wrote uh, years ago for hospice after my mother passed, I just wrote this poem about this path and it's just always been my image, you know, like when you're walking along the path, just you have to make sure you kind of look around sometimes and there might be some trash along the way, which needs to just stay there, things that you get rid of. And then there's might be just opportunities to just make sure you're looking around and up and down for taking in some information because maybe there's a different way to go it doesn't have to be like so straightforward you know take those winds and bends and that path because it's full of really good surprises yeah I think that not good ones are huge learning experiences I feel like everything happens for a reason because the universe is like hey here's something a little bit you needed to learn and I'm like okay thank you I learned it so I don't need it again (laughs) thank you
0: true (laughs) And true.
1: You definitely
0: have those two. <laughs> when you were describing the path, it made me think about the whole concept of being versus doing. And um, who who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? What do I want the experience to be like? And not so much about what do I want to accomplish? What do I want to get done? What do I want to do? Um, and that looking around and seeing what's here and making connections and, and in the moment, always sort of checking in with how is this feeling for me is so valuable and it seems like it should be natural, but it's, it just isn't for most of us. It's That's something I'm actively working on now, <laughs> like I'm actively working on trying to do less and be more uh, it's kind of crazy, but that's what I was thinking about with your poem. Yes. Yes. Well, this has been a very interesting conversation about transformation here with you, Anne. If people want to learn more about you and your work, how could they do that?
1: Sounddogconnection.com um, is my website. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Sounddog Connection. So, yeah, I would love if anybody connects, email, chats, whatever. I think that's, that's obviously always something that I'm working on is connecting and and, and sharing my story and because it's, I mean, hopefully it can help or inspire somebody else. But for me, it's just a big, it's a big deal that I can share my story and talk about some of those things. Um, just seems to be part of the moving forward.
0: I'm very grateful you decided to share your story here with us today. I mean, it's a very powerful story. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you very
0: much. Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. I invite you to come learn more at ColleenPilar.com, where you can be steady, be strong,
1: and be long.